This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Here's a question for you. Do you think at any time in the next, let's say, year, we'll be working in an office for some portion of the week? Oh, um, yes, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say two days a week, we will be in an office. And I don't mean your backyard. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we'll share some key takeaways from our recent diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging training, including insight we got from reflecting on our own identifiers. We'll also discuss the concept of STUFF, which is important to be aware of as a leader. That is an acronym, by the way, (laughs) S-T-U-F-F. Then we'll answer a mailroom question about reboots. And this week's Hollywood Hack will help you see a familiar place in a new light. But first, Sarah, we want to remind everyone we're preparing for our summer listener questions episode. So now is the time to send us questions. You can ask about anything, life in Hollywood, TV writing, our friendship, anything at all. Lizards, whatever you want. (laughs) I have a lot of new lizards in my house. (laughs) Email or send a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Okay, Liz, let's dive into from the treadmill desks of in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. This week, it's an exercise we did in an anti-bias training workshop. Yes. So the workshop is run by Jones, which is a leadership training organization with a focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. It was three hours on a Saturday on Zoom, and we have to admit that we were not looking forward to it. Three hours from 10 to 1 on a Saturday morning, you know, we weren't jumping up and down to go to it. Yeah. And there were, we should say, Liz, there were like three different sessions of this uh, that you could choose. And we were at the, like the last one. We were like, okay, we're getting into the last one on a Saturday. So we were not super psyched, but boy, were we wrong. I mean, it was such a good workshop. It was a phenomenal workshop, which we both figured out about 10 minutes into it. We texted each other like, wow, this is going to be great. And we should mention we are part of the WGA's Safe and Inclusive Workplace Initiative, along with many other showrunners, including some of our absolute favorite people in the world. I'm thinking about Scott Gemmel. Yeah. Were on this with us, which was a nice surprise. But a lot of people who we were just really 
interested to hear their thoughts as well as the exercises and and all of that. And Liz, I should say I was in a small group discussion with Mike Schur, who did Parks and Rec and Hacks, and I did not fangirl out and completely just be like, oh my God, I think you're amazing. Yes. And I should mention, <laughs> of course, he was on Happier with Gretchen Rubin. Yes. If I'm anyone so wants jealous. to go listen to that. So, yes. Yeah, so part of this initiative is that we agreed to do this training. So, you know, Sarah, you and I always do follow the rules. <laughs> it was led by a guy named Dr. Stephen Jones. He was just fantastic. Well, he and his whole team. Yes, I mean, the whole it, team it was, him. was great. And one of the exercises that they had us do was just so illuminating that we wanted to discuss it here so that our listeners can Think about this and do this in your own lives because it was really a fascinating, enlightening exercise. So the exercise was to think of our identifiers, make a list of our identifiers, and think about how they impact our leadership in both positive and negative ways. Yes. So it's interesting because I just shared three. I said I was, so we we should mention we broke up in small groups to do this. So I was with, um, interestingly, three other white women, but we had different things about us. But my identifiers were white, woman, and Midwestern. What was interesting, I realized in discussing with people, like, again, to the DEI, I didn't even feel the need to include that I was heterosexual because, of course, that's considered the, quote, norm. And when you're part of the, quote, norm, you don't need to identify yourself. You don't feel the need, which is part of the issue, right? That you just, right. you think you're the default, Right there is an interesting sort of thing that I realized in doing this. Yes. So anyway, one thing I realized, Sarah, is looking at it, so the positive and negative ways. What I said was positive things, as I feel as a leader, I do amplify. I do a good job of amplifying people's contributions. And I think that is because as a woman, you and I have always felt the need to amplify each other. Yeah. And I do try to listen to everyone's voices because I'm used to not being listened to <laughs> as a woman. Right. <laughs> um, of course, as a white person, I'm used to being listened to. So it's it's that conflict of identifiers. It's something that's really interesting. But I also realized in terms of a negative is that I definitely lead sort of from a place of fear because mm. I really am always terrified of being fired or being perceived as difficult. Now, I have reasons for this because you and I have been fired unfairly, and yes. <laughs> we have been perceived as difficult unfairly. Yeah. And so I'm always aware of that, and it definitely impacts my leadership style, and I don't like that. And I also do think as, again, a white woman, I'm not as aware of what other people might be dealing with because I am in the majority. So those were some of my takeaways. What about you? Yeah. So my identifiers were single, straight, white, Gen X, Midwestern women. <laughs> Being Gen X, I can't believe I left that out because that is a that's important. Yes. Well, and it's interesting to me that we both put Midwestern in there. Yes. It's funny that our geographical history is so defining. 
So, yeah, for me, I think I agree 100% that being a woman has contributed to my leadership style in a lot of positive ways. But I felt the exact same way about, like, I definitely have more of a, like, a bristle in my leadership style because of the shitty stuff that's happened to us as women. And it was interesting because one of the things that came up in my other small group, not the one about identifiers, was that we need to be aware when we hear feedback about other people that that feedback is coming through the lens of quite possibly coming through the lens of other people's bias. Yes. So, which is something we take into account now when we like female directors will be like, well, she this or that. And we're like, well, was she really this or that? Would you have said the same thing if she was a man? And that we need to remember that when we're hearing about writers, directors, executives, that the lens that they're being filtered through is not necessarily without bias. Yes. And the bias can be unintentional. Oh, yeah. One thing that was interesting about this workshop, and we'll talk about it more in our next segment, is that good intentions are not enough. You right. have to have action on your good intentions. And one of the things we can do is be aware of identifiers and how, again, they can be impacting others' views on someone. And Sarah, one thing that I was thinking could be an exercise we could do at the beginning of a room is have people identify their identifiers. And you can sort of expand it out. You could say, you know, I'm a man, I'm queer, I um, just lost my father recently. I mean, you could... You could expand it out to where, like, these are the things this where I'm getting a point of view. This is right. where I'm coming from. And then we can sort of know something, at least, about each other in terms of this point of view. Yeah. Okay. I'm so down. we'll do that. Hopefully, we'll have a season three of Fantasy Island, and we will do the identifiers exercise, and we'll obviously report back here on Happier in Hollywood about how it went. In fact, you know what would be interesting is to have one of our writers on to discuss it with us after we do it. So that's that's a a plan. We just need a season three for that to occur. Fingers crossed. Coming up, we'll share another hugely impactful takeaway from the DEI workshop that we went to. This one is all about stuff. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. 
Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it is time for our Take a Hike segment in which we talk about mental, physical, and spiritual health. And today it's mental. Okay, this was really interesting, Sarah, from our workshop. One of the questions that came up at the beginning of the workshop was, what is the perceived risk level when someone disagrees with me in public? Yeah. Okay, the I think it was Dr. Jones who asked everyone to look at themselves and ask that question. And what I said is, I think it really depends on where we are in the season. And I think a lot of other showrunners, you included, agree with that. So if it's day one, and we're just have all the time in the world, and you want to disagree with something, that's fine. I mean, and and I think (laughs) we're open to it. But as time gets really short and deadlines are coming and we feel the pressure and we have a million... And ships have sailed. And ships have sailed and we have deadlines upon deadlines. I think the the perception of an, being able to disagree really does go down. And yes, we're a lot sure. shorter. We're a lot... Even, I mean, I will admit, Sarah, Adam, you know, my husband, Adam, <laughs> did a freelance episode this season... And he said, you just want people to do what you want to do. You don't want them to disagree with you. So he flat out said that, (laughs) just offered that up. And I said, well, we're just, we're in a rush. Like we just have to get it done. And Sarah and I kind of know what works. We're the ones who've gone through it a million times. We know it works. So we just want to move ahead. Of course, as we discussed in the last segment, we're always looking at the story through our identifiers. Yeah, so you brought that up, and one of the moderators said, well, it sounds like stuff. And we were like, hmm. (laughs) And she said, that's an acronym. It stands for stress, time constraints, uncertainty, fear, and fatigue. And those are all of the elements that directly impact our ability to listen to others and make it more challenging to be conscious of our biases. So we were like, I I mean, 100%. Well, first of all, what is TV writing about if not stress, time constraints, uncertainty, fear, and fatigue? That's our state. That's where we live. That is where we exist. So, I mean, it really made us go okay, we have to pause. And in those moments, say, okay, wait a minute, there's a ton of stress, time constraints, uncertainty, fear, and fatigue. And it's on us to not lose sight of what's important in the room, which is listening to everyone. Yeah. And it was funny when she said stuff and, you know, named the what it stood for, every single person was like writing it down and like, wait, yeah. could you repeat? What does that stand for? Like yeah. everyone. What's the first F? Yeah. And it was one of those like aha moments, right? As yes. Oprah says. And one of the things that I think really illuminated it for me was when they said similarity equals safety. So when you're in this stuff state, when you're uncertain, you're tired, you're afraid, et cetera, 
you go to the safe place, which is what is similar to you. So it's why, I mean, a perfect example is is you and me. Totally. When the more stressed we are, the more we're just going to go to each other, right? Because yeah. we are the most similar, right? We are the most because we're writing partners and the the less we're in that state the more we'll go oh what is this outrageous idea someone just pitched <laughs> right but when we're in that state we just lock down kind of with each other yes and i thought wow like i truly never thought about that before. No. Well, in fact, we have often talked about how when there are problems to be solved, we'll go on a loop and solve the problem. Yes. (laughs) The two of us, you know, I mean, I think it's hard because I think that's both a strength and obviously a weakness. Yes. And we have to be more aware of when it's a weakness. And one of the benefits, I think, of being a team is that we now have to be responsible to each other and say, like, oh, wait a minute, we're... (laughs) We're getting stuck in stuff. Yes. And we need to take a break. And what Dr. Jones said, which was so incredibly helpful, was there's a difference between taking three hours to listen to something and saying, okay, we're going to talk about that for 10 minutes. We're going to talk about that for 20 minutes, which even at the end of the season, when things are deep in the stuff mode, you can take those 10 minutes to to make people feel heard and to really listen. Because as we know, I mean, even the worst ideas have great things come out of them. They often come out of our own worst ideas. Yes. The moderators also pointed out that it's, you should always explain to the people in the room, hey, just so everyone knows, we're on a deadline. We have to get this in by four o'clock today so that it doesn't feel like the pressure is just kind of willy-nilly but that everybody is on the same page and understanding the situation. Because a lot of times, like information on a need-to-know basis, and if you're transparent and communicating, then everybody can understand the situation and it makes for um, a more comfortable environment. Right, because it's also about creating an environment where people feel comfortable bringing up objections to the subject we're talking about. Like, This is not a story we want to tell for these reasons, or this is a beat that is tricky and we should address it in this way. Taking the time to have those conversations is so important. And it was interesting because Aaron Rashawn Thomas was in one of my small groups who, just as an aside, Aaron went to our high school. He He was younger than us. And he created the reboot of the show SWAT. And one of the things he said that really struck me in our small group was that there's a difference between creating an environment where people are surviving and an environment where people are thriving. And I think if you take the time to not let stuff interfere with everything, you'll create a thriving environment, not just one that people are trying to get through. Yes, and that came up because Aaron said that later, and the point was made, if if you're dying of thirst, you can only worry about getting water. If you're perfectly um, have enough food and water, that's when you can think about being creative. And so if you take that metaphor, if you just feel like you're surviving, trying not to get fired, you're not going to have your best work. So um, that was a really great point. Yes. And obviously, as leaders, we want to be creating an environment where people can thrive, not just survive. Yes. And Sarah, that's going to make a better show. You oh, know, for it's, sure. It's not just about, again, 
oh, DEI is important. No, it also is going to make a better show. So we have every reason in the world to want to make this happen. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you to Jones for making those three hours on a Saturday so hugely worthwhile. We actually feel like executives should be doing this workshop. We want to have Jones come in to our, our shows and meet with our staffs, like at the very beginning of the process. So if you're in a leadership position or work with other humans at all, give Jones a call. Yes. And we'll link to their website in our show notes at happierinhollywood.com. Okay, Liz, it's time for a question from the mailroom. This comes from Samantha. She said, I'm noticing a recent trend in TV of recent reboots, TV series being rebooted that ended less than 10 years ago. She said, True Blood, Pretty Little Liars, Gossip Girl are getting reboots, but it honestly feels like yesterday when these shows were on the air. For me, I'm generally turned off by this trend as it feels like a shameless cash grab and there's often not enough distance from the original for me to give a new interpretation a fair go. Interesting. And she said, can you give some industry insight into why this is happening? Well, Sarah, I think it's just because there are so many outlets that it's a desperation to break through. And if something was popular five years ago, the hope is it will be popular again. And it's just easier to get people's attention with a title that they're already familiar with. Yes, it's the same reason why reboots from a long time ago are also popular, i.e. Fantasy Island, SWAT, you yes. know. Hawaii just, Five-O. Yes, Magnum P.I., like... It makes companies feel safe to know that they're going with something that has already had success. It's like a it's like a little security blanket. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a security blanket. And often they're right. Yeah. And I think, you know, recently, for instance, Gossip Girl, I think the idea that they could do it on HBO Max and have more freedom probably also enticing. It's like, let's do this, but let's do it differently. I personally have no problem with this trend. Sex in the City. Now, here's an interesting thing. Like, for instance, right. there's, there's Reboot, and then they're sort of bringing something back. Like Sex in the City, which I ended up loving after a rocky start, which is now called okay. um, And Just Like That. It's, it's not a reboot. It's just a continuation of the show. Will and Grace came back as a continuation of Will and Grace. I think that model for a lot of people is is more appealing because it's the actors that they loved. But I'm sort of open to either. I I think maybe because of my passion for Fantasy Island, don't have this kind of attitude that there's a, something wrong with reboots. Yeah, well, and it's interesting because reading this, I think I had heard that there was a True Blood reboot happening, but hadn't really fully processed it. And I was like, ooh, there's a True True Blood (laughs) reboot happening. Like, I'm excited for it because I loved that show. So even though I haven't had time to kind of get nostalgic about it, it's still like a world and a tone that I'm really into. So I'm excited to watch it. Yeah. Yeah, So I guess we're totally down with the reboots of recent shows. Well, and it's interesting, Sarah, because Samantha says it feels like a shameless cash grab. But I mean, television is a business. So I mean, what is it? I mean, everything in life is a shameless cash grab. I mean, creating dental floss could be called a shameless cash grab. (laughs) I mean, 
people are trying to make money. That's the business. So I don't fault them for that. Dental floss might have been a bad example because we need dental floss. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, we need we need entertainment as well. Maybe not as much as we need floss, but yeah. <laughs> for our mental health, we need entertainment. <laughs> but that is a great question, and it's something yeah. that comes up a lot among television writers. And I think a lot of people don't share our views. They think there shouldn't be any reboots. But of course, we disagree. It's a business. <laughs> We love our Fantasy Island reboot. Yes, we do. And we feel we brought something new and fresh and that it's worthy of being on the air while still honoring the original. Which we love. Which we love so much. Okay, coming up, as they say, there is no place like home, but first this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. And this is something that I think we've discussed before. I know Gretchen and I have discussed it on Happier, but it's always something we want to remind ourselves of. And especially the summer is a great time to remind ourselves of this hack. Yes, which is remember to be a tourist in your own hometown. Um, And this came up because recently you and our friends Nichelle and Sherry came up to Ojai. And as I'm sure you know, if you've been listening to this podcast, I haven't exactly been um, enjoying all the wonder that Ojai has to offer. (laughs) Um, And when you came up, suddenly I got to do like the tourist stuff. We had lunch at the Ojai Valley Inn. We went downtown and shopped at the little shops on Main Street that... I mean, I think I've been in them maybe once since I moved here. Um, So, And it was just so fun and nice to be reminded about what I loved about this town in the first place. Yes, it's funny because as we were walking around, we're all just like, oh, Ohio is so wonderful. You're so lucky you live here. Oh, the pink moment. Oh, look at the, you know, it was just the feel, the smells. Um, Ojai smells really good. It does. And so it's always good to do that. I mean, even in Encino, I can do that, Sarah, because I can look around and say, I am really lucky to live in Southern California and let me go to the beach and enjoy being a tourist in my own hometown. So um, go to the beach, go to the Getty, go to Skirball. There are so many great places near you. Yes. And I think all of us have those places in town that we know are great. And maybe, you know, when your kids were little, maybe you took them there, but you don't bother now that they're older or whatever it may be. Treat yourself to a day of being a tourist in your own hometown, and you will have a great day and have a refreshed love of your hometown. Yeah. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, 
Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at sfain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Meanwhile, again, Liz, it's just so unreal that so many people from our high school are here in L.A. like being amazing. Like Aaron. Yes. Kelly Souders. Yes. Brandon Boyce. I uh, know. Someone to include us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wow. There's something in the air at Pembroke Hill. Yeah. I think it's called English teachers. Yeah. Good yeah. English teachers. <laughs> From the Onward Project.